Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Notice how Rob's face was glowing when he walked out there, like he had the light of God shining on him, or, or his iPad or something. The, I, don't know what, the, I don't know what that was. It's the, it's the light of having bad eyes. You yeah, see, yeah. You know, I can't take the Bible because I, I can't do that with the Bible. It's, not, you know, the, I can get it, this it's not the eyesight, Rob. It's the font and the light. If that it's, were better, you'd be true. fine. I'd be, I'd be doing good. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Well, we're going to conclude our series sculpted uh, this morning, and a lot of you might not realize this, but but uh, this series is actually a continuation of the series you did uh, this past fall, that No Pain, No Gain. Right. That in that series, we looked at Romans 8, 28, and talking about the fact that God causes all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And uh, in that series, you were talking about the fact that not everything we face is good, but God will bring good from those things. And we got to see some incredible testimonies of people in our church that have been through mm-hmm. difficult situations and, and come out on the other side. And so if you missed that series, make sure you go to metchurch.com and watch because it was a powerful, powerful series. And it was so powerful that when we started about talking about starting this, this new year, you were thinking, man, you wanted to continue what we were doing. Right. So you went on from Romans 8.28 to Romans 8.29 and 30, mm-hmm. and it's talking about the fact that everything that we go through, everything we face is all, God is using every single one of this to conform us into the image of his son. Right. So we thought it was concluded, we go to the very next verse, which is Romans 8.31, that says, okay, what do we do with this in response? Now that we know what God is doing, now we mm-hmm. know what God will do, what will be our response mm-hmm. to those things? And, and as we've been talking to people and, and hearing your stories, a lot of you still don't know how to respond because you're still getting so caught up in what you're facing and what you're going through that it's kind of hard to see the good from it. So we thought, you know what? We're gonna put Bill on the spot. We're gonna <laughs> ask you some questions right. and, uh, and see how, we, how, how this comes through to maybe uh, lighten, uh, enlighten some of the people here and, and give them that hope and that encouragement. And so we'll start at the top. Right. When it says that God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. So we know God is good. Right. And we know that he will cause things for good. Right. So then why is there bad? Why is there evil in this world? Why are we dealing with this? Hmm. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I, uh, I, you know, that's probably the biggest question most people struggle with is why, if God is good, then why is there evil? Why, um, you know, why do we lose our loved one? Why is there sickness? Why is there disease? You know, all these things uh, sometimes um, drive people away from God. People will renounce their faith and walk away because they can't seem to get uh, sufficient um, answers and they can't seem to get settled uh, with the issue of good and evil. And so I've, I've struggled with that a little bit myself. I, I've seen good people go through some very, very unfair and terrible things. And part of what you do as a pastor is what's called apologetics, which is uh, it's called a defense of the faith. 
And I'll be honest with you, I've seen some of you walk through some really hard stuff and I've had to kind of look at the Lord and go, man, this really made you look bad here. I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe, we, can, maybe we can figure this out and kind of struggle along with them. But the reality of it is God does have a purpose and a plan in all things, with all things, in and through all things. And you have to come to, to terms with that. And in terms of, of good and evil, people can develop, you know, rob this little syllogism that says, well, before God, there was nothing. Uh, evil is something. So God must have created evil or it wouldn't exist. Therefore, is God evil? And so people can develop that syllogism based upon their kind of their reasoning about things like that. And I look into the Bible and I realize that actually God did create Lucifer, who is the originator of all things evil and all things that are wrong in the world. But when you read Ezekiel 28, here's what you read. You read that he created uh, Lucifer. The Bible says he was perfect. He was perfect in wisdom. He was perfect in beauty. He was perfect in integrity. So when God created Lucifer, he created him, get this now, in perfection. And then when you read after the Bible describes how God created Lucifer, and by the way, he wasn't self-existent. Only God is self-existent. The devil was created. And so once God created him, again, in perfection, the Bible said he remained that way, and then you'll read this expression, until evil was found in him. Meaning there came a day when uh, Lucifer exercised his free choice, he obviously had it, and he exercised his free choice to rebel against God. In fact, Isaiah 14 kind of colors what happened. There are five I wills in Isaiah 14, where Lucifer says, I will ascend to the heavens. I will build my throne above God's throne. I will be like the most high God. I will be God. And the Bible says at that point, God threw him out of heaven. And by the way, all of the angels that followed him there. And so the angels were given as Lucifer was given an ability to choose. And so what happened when you see the origin of evil is they chose against God. Evil comes about, Rob, when a person chooses against God. God's perfect, he's holy, it's his nature, he's just. And that was the origin, uh, the, the origin of evil. And I think the original sin, by the way, based on Isaiah 14, was pride. <laughs> it is uh, sad to see a, a, a proud sinner and a humble savior. And, uh, and I think the original sin was pride. It made the devil the devil. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was reading uh, through this and I kind of got to this whole evil thing um, this way that, you know, it's cold outside and we'd all say it's cold, but is there cold? And, and the reality is cold is the absence of heat. It's the same way with darkness is the absence of light. Well, it was going around saying that basically that evil is the absence of God or the absence of good, right. which is God. Right. And it comes down to that choice. You gotta realize that God wants a loving relationship with each and every one of us. That's what he put out there. He wants to, he wants to have this loving relationship. But in giving us that choice to have this loving relationship, he had to give us a, that choice to refuse it. Right. To say we won't love him. And it's that choice when we mm -hmm. realize that we can choose good, mm -hmm. or as in Lucifer's sake, choose something else. That's when the evil crept in, and that's why mm -hmm. we go through all these yeah, things. You're right, because really, you don't go into a room and turn on the dark, right? You <laughs> go in the room and turn on the light. Uh, light's invincible against the darkness. And yet, here's a verse that'll blow your hat in the creek. In Isaiah <laughs> chapter 50, the Bible talks about people who love God, but walk in darkness. Wow. Do you know it's possible to know God, to love God, and walk through dark periods of your life? 
Well, that Rob was saying, the only way you can be in darkness is for light to be withdrawn. So what that means is there are periods of time in our lives, I, I call them seasons, when you're gonna go through some dark times, when you're gonna go through some hard times, when there are gonna be some times when things don't make sense, you cannot connect the dots, God will not explain himself, sometimes he will feel like the distant deity, you know he's there, you believe he's there, but you can't sense him and you can't feel him. And Isaiah said, be careful when you go through those, those periods of time, it's an incredible expression, that you don't light your own fire. That you just don't say, I'm sick and tired, so I'm gonna get myself out of this one way or the other. I mean, you can take a sundial at, at night with a flashlight and make it any time you want it to be. <laughs> and there are people that light their own fire because they're frustrated with God. Now, I'm not critical of you. I'm saying I get it, but the old expression, out of the frying pan into the fire comes to mind. I mean, you're better off, listen, you're better off with God in a time of darkness and away from him in a time of light. So I'm just suggesting to you, Rob, as you go through these periods, even as a Christian, you're gonna go through some times of darkness where God will sovereignly withdraw light, uh, where, where there'll be times of, of pain and sorrow and difficulty. And by the way, you don't, you don't know how strong your faith is till you walk down that road. Mm -hmm. You really don't. You don't. Yeah, I was listening to somebody that were talking about that, the fact that you know, there's so many people who turn away from God because they go through difficult sure. situations. But the situation doesn't change. Now it just goes, right. you just don't have God to see you through it. Right, right. And I think that's why we, we, we yeah. rest in him and, and realize right. just like when you went into this uh, sculpted series, it's the yeah. fact that God is using everything that you go through. God is using all of those circumstances to conform you into the image of his son. Mm -hmm. But the first thing that came out of this verse that we had a lot of people talking about was that God foreknew who he also predestined. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the questions that we were getting from people is that, does God pick and choose who goes to heaven and who goes to hell? Is, is it just kind of mm -hmm. at God's choice in doing this? Right, yeah, you come back to that free choice that he gave <laughs> Lucifer, that ability to choose or not choose. Well, God, in my view, has given everyone choice. We all have a, a choice. You go back to the garden when God put the tree in the garden. Remember, he told Adam, you can eat of any of the things here, but leave that one alone. Now, why did he put a tree in the garden? Would it have been better if there weren't a tree? Then he wouldn't have had a choice, right? Then you say, well, we then would have been like puppets or on a string, or we'd be like robots without any ability. Here's the reality. If you're not free to choose to love God, you're not free to choose not to love God. If you're not free not to worship God, you're not free to worship God. So the idea of God placing the tree in the garden was not so that man would choose against him, but here it is, so that man would have a choice. God wants you to choose to love him, not love him because you have no other choice. He wants you to choose to follow him, not to follow him because you have no other choice. And a lot of people, my friends, that go to the hyper-Calvinistic side uh, of, of, of my un of understanding of Scripture is that they take it to believe predestination is the predetermination of God concerning who goes to heaven ultimately and who doesn't. It's like, uh, I believe in election, I don't believe in selection, right? Um, selection is any, many, miny, mo, you go to heaven, to hell you go. <laughs> and that's where a lot of people land on that. They say God just picks and chooses the winners and the losers. Well, you look in the Bible, the Bible refers to the great white throne judgment when all those who've rejected him are summoned to stand before God. And the Bible says in Romans, get this expression, they'll stand before God, here it is, without excuse. Without excuse. In other words, one person will not be able to open their mouth against the sovereign judge of the universe and be able to say, here's my reason for rejecting you. 
Now, if man was not given a choice, wouldn't that be a pretty good reason? <laughs> wouldn't you say, excuse me, sir, I, I never had a choice in the matter. That might be a pretty good reason. The reality of it is, John says, he is the light that lights everyone who comes into the world. Now, that doesn't mean there's a spark of divinity within all of us. It means there's a knowledge of God within each of us. The Bible says in Romans 2, he has written his law on the hearts of mankind. Meaning when you study any civilization, no matter how primitive they are, here's what you'll discover. They all have this in common. They have some form of worship. They worship something. It may be a stick or a totem pole or a frog or a cow, but they're gonna worship something. Where did they get that idea? It's God's law written on their heart. It is the light, the knowledge that there is a God. One day they'll stand before him. That's in their heart, they know that. Now here's what I believe about that. If they're true to the light God has given them, he will give them increased light to the point that he'll wreck a plane and drop a missionary right on top of them. So the Bible is very clear that God created us with a choice. Jesus said, get this, Jesus said, whosoever will, Rob, will, there's our choice. Whosoever will, Jesus said, let them come. And then he said, whosoever shall come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Another great verse, and there are many, 2 Peter 2, 9, 3, 9. Uh, God is long-suffering. It means it takes a whole lot to hack him off. He's long-suffering. He's patient to usward. Not willing, here it is, not willing that any should perish. Not many, but any. <laughs> but that all should come to repentance. It is the will of God for every single solitary person since Adam until Jesus returns one day. It's his will for everyone to be in heaven. It's his will that everyone should know him. And so he's made it possible. He's, he's made it as easy as receiving the gift that's offered of salvation uh, through Jesus Christ. So I believe, Rob, with all my heart, predestination, predetermination, uh, election, doesn't mean God has picked and chosen the winners and losers, that everyone has an opportunity, but God, the Bible says, according to the, the, the narrative here, that predestination is according to foreknowledge. Did you see that? For those he did foreknow, those he did predestine. So the foreknowledge of God is his sovereignty. Let me break it down. God knows who will and who will not receive him, right? He's sovereign. In his sovereign security, he's given us free choice. God knows who will receive him, he knows who will reject him, and based on foreknowledge, he then predetermines certain things that will happen in our life. Meaning God knows what I'll do and won't do, he knows what you'll do and you won't do, so he then predetermines certain events that'll happen in our life, and here's the motivation, so that ultimately we are conformed into the image of his son. You see that in the narrative. So that God is allowing to happen what happens, sometimes he causes, things that happen to happen so that ultimately, here it is, somebody will see him through me. Somebody will see Jesus going, I see him in your heartbreak. I see him in your disappointment. I see him through the betrayal that you experienced. I see him through the devastation of your life. I see him through the brokenness. And sometimes you really can't see the light till we get broken. And then all of a sudden through the cracks in our life, his light begins to shine. Mm -hmm. So God has a purpose and he can be trusted. That's it, because it is our choice. It is our choice. I think some of you know, Calvinists, they, they go back to, to Pharaoh in Exodus. Right. And when it talks about the fact that God hardened his heart. But if you actually look at the full text of that, it, um, it says that 18 times. But it starts yeah. with saying that Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God. Mm -hmm. See, God knew what was going. He was given the opportunity, but it was Pharaoh who hardened sure. his heart. And then he said, okay, if that's what you want, right. then that's what you're gonna get. Yeah, Pharaoh first hardened his own heart, like you're saying, and then God 
finally hardened it. Uh, Genesis 5 says, my spirit, God said, I won't always strive with a man, meaning I will not always bother you about this matter of your own salvation. There comes a time when you step through a threshold where you've gone so far in rejecting Jesus where he'll no longer bother you about your sin. I did uh, 72 weeks in the uh, study of John at God's other church. And when I was going through that uh, study, I found time and time again this phrase in John, they, Jesus would say, they will not come to me that they might have life. They will, get the phrasing, they will not come to me that they may have life. And finally you get to John 8 and change, and Jesus says, they cannot come to me that they might have life. Here's what I learned from that. Willful rejection of Jesus can lead to judicial rejection by Jesus. Finally he'll say, you don't want me, I'm gonna quit bothering you about it. You don't want a relationship with me, I'm gonna leave you alone then. I'll just walk away. You do it your way, I'll I'll go a different way. And the parting of the ways happen and the spirit of God is withdrawn and there's no longer any conviction about sin. There's no longer any convincing of a person toward righteousness in a relationship with Christ. And it's possible, it's possible to go that far. And when I talk about that, I've had people come up Rob, after a service and go, I think I may have gone that far. I I, (laughs) I think that's happened to me. I think I've gone that far. And I always tell them, you know how I know you haven't? Because it bothers you. The fact that it bothers you. I'm more worried about the guy that doesn't bother him at all, right? So the point is the fact you could be bothered that God won't bother you is something good to be bothered about. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay, as we keep going, like I said, that he predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. Now, there's been a thing going around on, on, on Facebook where people have been doing that, you know, this is what I looked like 10 years ago. This is what I look like now. Um, by the way, some of you shouldn't have done that, okay? Just, just to let you know. But anyway, that's, a, that's another topic uh, of, uh, of doing that. But is that what it is when he conforms? Is, is it somehow that when we look in the mirror, we look one way before Christ, and now that we have Christ, we start looking different? Is that what it's talking about? Well, sort of, but not, not actually. <laughs> it's like, uh, it, we, you know, we all want to look better, right? You look at your picture sometimes, you go, oh my gosh, man, how have I changed over the last... 10 years, if you've done that little thing Rob was uh, talking about, you know, I, I did that. Anybody do that Jenny Craig diet? Did you do any of that? Anybody do that in here? <laughs> A few of you did that. I, I did that one. T- I lost 40 Six dollars on that diet. I think that's what, <laughs> so it, uh, that's what happened to me. But I mean, you gotta you gotta kind of figure out what works. But the reality of it is, we we all want to look better, right? We want to be better. Here's what none of you will ever do on Facebook, and I don't obviously know everyone, or certainly all the people that are watching online. But here's what I know: you will never put a bad picture of yourself out there on Facebook. And the reality is, if someone else puts you out there and you don't think you look good, that puppy's coming down. Yeah, Wouldn't you agree with that one? That thing's coming down. And have you ever been in the group picture? What is the first person you look at? Come on, you're in church, don't lie. What's the first first person you look at in the group picture that determines whether that puppy gets posted, right? If you're looking good and everybody else looks like scubala, you're going to go, that's a Greek word for something else. You're going to go, I love that. That's amazing. That's amazing. You're looking awesome in that picture. Everybody else looks pretty bad. But the reality of it is our our big interest is self-interest, and I get that. That's that's understandable. And we all want to be growing, and we all want to be better. But the reality of it is sometimes spiritually, we don't gauge or monitor that as much as we should. And the reality that Rob was talking about, the way we look at whether or not we're being conformed in the image of of his son is do people who know us uh, best and love us most, can those people see any of God reflected in our life? 
Um, here's what I would caution you about. None of us are to judge other people, right? Matthew 7, do not judge, he said, or you will be judged. For whatever judgment you measure out, that's the judgment he said is gonna come right back at you. There's a locked in law of likeness that says whatever you want, you give away. And if you give away negativity and judgment, it'll come right back on you. That's the reality of it. So he's not saying we are to be judgmental of other people by looking at their lives to see if we see growth. Here's the difference, we're to be discerning, mm -hmm. discerning. In other words, you can be a fruit inspector. <laughs> you can walk around someone's life and see if you see any fruit hanging on that tree. What fruit am I talking about? Well, when you know Jesus and you're connected to the Creator, in Galatians 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. He said, against such, there is no law. The Bible says, God uh, tells us that there has, listen, there's never been a law passed against the fruit of the Spirit. No one's ever said, oh my gosh, you people are way too loving. We, we gotta pass a law to stop you from doing that. <laughs> you know, you're too kind to one another. Quit it, what's wrong with you, right? But he contrasts that with the works of the flesh. Now let me tell you something, there are a lot of laws that are passed against the works of the flesh, right? But there's no law against the fruit of the spirit. So I'm saying in my life and in your life over the period of 10 years or whenever, however measurement you're wanting to use, the reality of it is I should be increasing in love. Uh, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. I should, those things should be evident in my life. When you walk around this tree, you ought to be able to see some of that. And if not, then I ought to know, wow, something's wrong. I'm doing something that is short-circuiting the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, a Christ follower, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, you can hinder the Holy Spirit, you can quench the Holy Spirit, you can resist the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things you can do that will stop the work of God's Spirit in your life. But if you will walk in the Spirit, he says, that just means every day you get up determined to do the right thing. Walk in the Spirit. Here's a guarantee against messing up. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I tell you all the time, when you find somebody doing what they shouldn't be doing, it's because they weren't doing what they should have been doing. If you'll do what you should do, you can't do what you shouldn't do because when you start doing what you shouldn't do, it's because you stopped doing what you should have been doing. So keep doing what you should do, you won't do what you shouldn't do, right? <laughs> Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you put a string of those good decisions together, Rob, and eventually, guess what? Somebody's gonna look at you and say, man, you're a loving person. You're a, you're a forgiving person. You're a generous person. You're an, you know what they're saying when they say that to you? They're saying, I see a little bit of who God is in your life as he's conforming you in the image of his son. So that is, we have a role in that. Yeah. Because we, we walk in that. You sure. actually touched a little bit on that last week. Right. Um, with the fact that every day we need to wake up and we need to surrender, we need to be a sacrifice. And, right. and I love uh, one of your uh, things that you always say is the fact the problem with being a living sacrifice is that we tend to crawl off the altar. And that's why every day it's gotta be that choice that we yeah. wake up and, and we're gonna make that happen because First uh, John 4, it talks about that God is love. And if mm -hmm. we're going to be like him, we need to love the way he loves other people. You're right. In fact, it was in Acts. That it was the first time they called people Christians because yeah. they were doing something that most people don't. Right. They actually cared about people. Most people yeah. just cared about themselves. And, yeah. and that was a really, uh, they meant it to be a derogatory term. The, the idea of being called a Christian in that time was a negative. They said basically what they were saying is we crucified Jesus for acting the way you're acting. So in other words, you better 
kill it or we're gonna kill you, right? You better stop that. So it, it was meant to be a negative term and they wore it as a badge of honor that we are actually reflecting the life that he lived. And that's what the church is, the body of Christ, right? Well, if we're the body of Christ, we ought to look like him. Right. And I run into churches that are judgmental, that are arrogant, that are, uh, I don't, don't get me off on that. But I'm just <laughs> saying, I won't get myself off on that. How about that? Uh, I've, I've grown up in this, so I have, the, uh, I have the credentials to criticize. I'm just simply suggesting to you that when a church stops reflecting who Jesus is, they stop being anointed and they stop being effective. And people will eventually saturate that church, uh, they'll saturate that church's presence with their absence. They, they will absolutely walk away. Yeah. And I found in my life, Rob, you make conscious decisions. You talk about living sacrifices. You wake, you wake up every day determined that you're gonna to try to take good steps. You're gonna to try to think the right thoughts. You're gonna to try to do good things. You, you guys, you gotta do that every day. Every and you day. gotta do it, it, it particularly when you have hard days. I told you last weekend, you know, that we all have hard days. I have bad days. And when you have a bad day, you want to be sure you've surrounded yourself with two things. Be in a safe place and be around safe people. Uh, a safe place is somewhere where you can't do collateral damage, right? That's why I told you last week, and I'm glad my horses and longhorns can't talk. <laughs> they would rat me out. <laughs> Sometimes you got to be around a safe, in a safe place where you can have a bad day. And you got to have safe people. Do you have anybody in your life that'll let you have a bad day and you don't have to worry about something they may post or they may judge or they may criticize you? They'll let you have a bad day and maybe say something that's not real sanctified, that's okay, or, or you know, have a thought that, that isn't real you know, spiritual, you know, we all write. And I'm just saying you need that because you're gonna have bad days. So you have to consciously, you have to consistently in the good days and the bad days say, by the grace of God, I'm gonna keep putting one foot in front of the other and I'm gonna to try to make good decisions today so I don't lose ground from where I've come. And, uh, and I think, Rob, when you begin to do that, your life begins to be a better reflection of really who he is. Yeah, Paul talked about that in Philippians 2 when he was saying that really what we've got to do is take on single-minded, that we have the yeah. same mind of Christ to love. Right. And what he's saying is that fact that if you're gonna demonstrate uh, Christ, you're gonna put others ahead of yourself. That's what Jesus did for you. He put you ahead of himself of right. doing that. And it's interesting, he did say, um, about do it all without grumbling and, and <laughs> complaining. But what he was saying is the fact that not to live in it. Right. It's not the fact that you won't act out at times, but there's a lot of people who, who look at their circumstances, look what they're going through, and they just live in this state of grumbling, yeah. uh, of complaining, God, why aren't you doing this? And it kind of leads us to our last question, Bill, is the fact that we see that in 31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of people that are going through things because they're going, with what I'm facing, with what I'm dealing with, I don't feel like God is for me. How do right. I know that God is truly for me when I'm having right. to go through stuff? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one thing to be sympathetic to other people that are going through difficult times and I've grown up in ministry, my dad was a pastor, he's in heaven now. But I've, I've been around heartache and heartbreak and disappointment and I can look around this room and I see several of you guys that have gone through some terrible things, devastating things, incredible things. And sometimes, as I said earlier, the best of, 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 of the worst of things happen to the best of people. And you go through a period of time and this is kind of a, uh, a, 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 an experience that I could tell you personally that I'm walking through now where you can look at life and you can say, this is really the best of times, but this is also the worst of times at the same time. And you kinda, uh, sorry. Man, that's a hard road to walk down. 
Yes, it is. You look at your life on one hand and you say, man, I am so blessed. Uh, God's been so good to me. And, and uh, the psalmist said, my lines have fallen in pleasant places, meaning I've, I've, I've had some great experiences in life and it's been wonderful. And yet at the same time, you, you realize, man, I'm just going through some really hard times. And, and you, you sympathize and empathize and you work with people, but then that day comes when it comes home, when it hits your house. Uh, John 11, remember Lazarus, uh, Mary and Martha, they loved Jesus, they were close to him. That, their house is where Jesus hung out in Bethany. He went, hung out with them. And one day, sickness hits Lazarus' house, right? Lazarus is sick unto death. And uh, I'm saying sometimes the worst things happen in the homes that Jesus resides in. Sometimes the hard things happen in a house that Jesus frequents. So never be guilty of trying to assume because you're walking through a dark period or a hard season that God's displeased with you, that God has an ax to grind with you. That's not the case at all. I mean, a few years ago, you remember when we had the diagnosis about Cindy's health and uh, we found out that this uh, illness she has is terminal. And so we began to kind of try to enjoy each day and And each day, you know, kind of brings its uh, new set of challenges. Um, then of course we have a little granddaughter today that's fighting for her life. And so you, you, you look at these things and you, you walk through these things and every day you, you have to choose how, how you're going to view them. And uh, one of the things, Rob, I realize is that God is not against us. He is truly for us. Even though I don't understand it, uh, I've told you before and I'll just say this, um, I don't think all the mysteries of life will have answers to this side of heaven. I told you there was a song they used to sing in my dad's church, uh, we'll talk it over in the by and by, we'll talk it over, my Lord and I, I'll ask the reasons, he'll tell me why, when we talk it over in the by and by. Old Jack Holcomb used to do a great job on that song. And I'm just saying that that's really not true. <laughs> We're not gonna talk it over in the by and by. Here's what I realized. Heaven is really not gonna be a big old Q&A session with Jesus. Here's what I've come to terms with what's going to happen and this will help you think about it with me. Right now, I don't have a perfect mind. God knows and we'd all agree. <laughs> um, my mind is meaning that my mind is not the mind of Christ. I, I don't think his thoughts all the time and I don't know what he knows any of the time. And I'm just suggesting to you that that won't happen, hear me now, until we're in his presence. Third John says, beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Meaning one of these days when we step from this temporal into the eternal and we have a glorified body and we step in the presence of God, guess what? I'm gonna have a glorified mind. And I've told you before, I think the first thing, the first, shoot, hang on. I think the first thing I'll think when I get to heaven, I think the first expression I'll have will be this. I think I'm gonna go, oh, okay. Okay, we're good. We weren't so good down there a lot of times, but we're okay now. <laughs> ah, okay, I get it now. We're good. I really think that. I, I just call me crazy, but I just really believe that. I'm not there yet. So all I can rely on, Rob, is God's word that says all things are working together for my good. 
I love him. I believe I'm called to his purpose, you as well. So we know that the things he's allowing or he's causing, he's doing so that ultimately somebody sees him through us. So you just hang on to that and know he loves you more than you love you and he cares for you. And it says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I believe that with all my heart. You know, uh, we're so blessed the fact that uh, you lead this church with transparency. Thank you. That uh, you let us know what you're going through and it gives us kind of the right to let others know what we're going through as well. And, and uh, when, I, when I look at, at you and I have the privilege of getting to work with you every day, I always think of First uh, Peter 3, 15, when it talks about to be ready to give account of the hope that's in you. And, and that's the one thing to me that you bring to our church every single week is hope through all that's going on. And, and Peter was talking to first century Christians at the time because they were the most persecuted people on the planet and they had no reason to have hope. And, and actually in verse 14 of there, he's talking to them. He says, man, don't worry what people are gonna do to you. Don't worry what's gonna happen to you. But then he goes on to say, but even if there is suffering, you're still blessed right. because you have Jesus and, and you keep showing us how you have Jesus and the fact that we can have hope when we don't know what's going on, when we don't think God is for us, he is for us. He's gonna see us through. And because the fact that you show that hope, you're gonna show that hope into other lives and that's why through what you're doing, we continue to see life change. We continue to see people coming to know that and, and, uh, and we just thank you for that hope. And, you, and so we wanted to kind of end this service a little bit different than we normally do. Um, we wanna end in, in a time of prayer and worship and, uh, and give you an opportunity to realize that you might be questioning what God's doing in your life right now. You might be questioning the things that you're going through and wondering, God, where are you? Why is this happening? Why are we dealing with this? We wanna get you the opportunity to know that guess what? God is saying take courage because I'm in the waiting. I know you're waiting for something to change. I know you might be waiting for your marriage to change. I know you might be waiting for your health to change or, or some relationship to change. God is in the waiting and you can take courage because he gives hope through all things. So as Rob said, we wanna do one last song and, uh, and during the song we want it to be just a time of prayer. Um, you can pray where you are, obviously, or if you want to come, there's going to be people here at the front that would love to pray with you. So we want you just to feel free to do what you feel you need to do. But let me challenge you to do, pray two things. Pray two things. Think about this. Number one, pray that you can see God in what you're going through. And I say that because you can't always do that. Sometimes you need help. And I'm just saying that right now, some of you, it may be too raw for some of you, uh, when you talk about going through a difficult circumstance, um, and I don't know that you get all the way through anything, you know? I mean, I, I had a pastor who was like old all my life. You ever known anybody like that? <laughs> I mean, he was old when I was young, and when I got grown up, he was still old. And I just thought, how does that work? But anyway, I'm that guy now for some of our kids. But uh, he talked about, he was probably, last time I heard him speak, he, uh, he was a pastor in uh, South Carolina. And last time I heard him speak, he was probably close to 90 years old. Um, and he talked, about, he talked about his daughter who had been killed by a drunk driver when she was uh, seven. And here this was, however many years later, he could not talk about her without crying. 
And it hit me that there's some circumstances in life, you, you aren't gonna get, you, you, you're just not gonna get past it. You're not gonna get it. Somebody says, you know, well, you can forget. No, you can't forget. You'll never, it's just not gonna happen. God will give you tools and strength to get through what you're going through, but, but it's always gonna be a raw, difficult time, a spot issue. So I'm just suggesting to you as I close, sometimes you, you gotta go back to that place of hurt and pain and say, God, help me, help me to try to see you in that, because I don't see you there now. So that's one way to pray. Second way to pray is this way. God helps somebody in my circle to see you through me, living through this circumstance. You see what I mean? God help me to see you in this and then help somebody to see you in me as I go through this. That's what I challenge you to pray. Would you stand with me and just bow your heads if you will. We have one song. I'll pray over you and we'll go to the house. So I hope this will be a meaningful time. Just spend this time in prayer. Lord, help me to see you. Lord, help others to see you through me. Let's pray together.
Father, thank you that you're an ever-present help in trouble. And I pray for my friends this morning. Some of them are going through some really difficult experiences in life. I pray they'll be able to see you in that experience. And I pray, Father, that through the strength they draw from you and the grace they receive from you, that someone who doesn't know you will begin to see you and how they have responded to this experience. Father, with all that we know about us, we trust everything we know about you. I pray this would be a good week for families. Keep the kids safe. Make it a productive week in business. I pray you'll bless your church as we continue to love people and try to point them toward you. Bless our lives, Lord. We give you praise and we give you thanks. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.